Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As you listen, ask questions, and enjoy the show, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Welcome everyone to Elevated Voices Podcast. I am so excited to have you all join in with me today. I have a special guest on the show. This guest is, I'm going to call her amazing, guys. I mean, she is really, really awesome. She is bold, colorful, strong, boisterous woman who is widely known for her breathtaking photos and unapologetic voice on weight discrimination. She's a writer, editor, influencer, body image coach, entertainer, and on top of it all, guys, she's a weight discrimination activist. Her platforms are a mix between social justice and Southern heart girlness. She works with healthcare professionals and the community members to end fat phobia in healthcare and food access. I want to give a standing ovation. Welcome to I'm a Pound Cake for joining the show. How are you, girl? Doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. So I'm just going to cut right to the chase. What is the story behind your unique name? I'm a pound cake. It's really cool that people are starting to ask me that question because for a long time, nobody would ask me what I'm a pound cake means. So I'm a pound cake means I'm a, and as a Southern girl, I speak, you know, Southern English, but also I speak African-American vernacular. It's my first language. So I'm a, like, I am in American English, but I'm a, that's Ebonics, you know? pound cake and my grandma used to make cakes which that was super cool because um, everybody knew my grandma her name was seal as the cake lady and pound cake is also something i feel like black people black people love to refer to themselves as food or some type everybody got an auntie peaches and so i'm pound cake i'm a pound cake my mama named pumpkin i have to agree i have a cousin named peaches so definitely, we lo- we love our we love our fruit names now. Hey, don't get don't get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> so you have done some amazing work. You know, tell us a little bit more about why you chose to be a weight discrimination activist. And you know, I don't know. I'm like, what did I choose this? You know, I don't know. I think it was like a. I don't want to be so cliche, but I'm like, I feel like I got called into this. So I've always had a a mind to speak out about a lot of different social issues. One of the ones that I can remember as a young girl, I used to be um, in something called SWAT, Students Working Against Tobacco. I used to um, speak out against big tobacco for selling cigarettes to minorities. 
and kids. It's interesting what I think about that now, but, and I remember just even during that time being in middle school, speaking out against that in middle school, I was, I had a group of friends and we all um, were fat. We created this group called Eat or Die. Um, So even just as a young person in middle school, creating an unofficial fat club at school, well, it was very official to us, maybe not to the school administration, but even as a young child, I was always aware that being fat was something that was different. And so when I got to college and I was sitting in a feminism class and I kept a black feminist class and I kept saying, I feel like I'm missing from the literature. Like I kept telling my professor that. And so she gave us a writing assignment. I was like, can I write about people who are like me? And she was like, this is groundbreaking. I've never read about fat Black women's experience. Wow. And I always remember her saying that. And I kept up with it because I, after just reading all these things, doing that one research paper, I'm like, I'm missing from so much of the world. And so I just continue to speak out. I mean, I speak out about a lot of issues, you know, women's issues race relations, poverty, you know, being Southern and Black. I mean, I talk about a lot of different things, but weight discrimination is so important because we experience it so much and we don't know. And I don't think there's a way to get Black people to liberation without discussing weight discrimination because it disproportionately impacts Black women the most. Definitely. Definitely. And I think, you know, starting out as a young kid, I think that was implanted in you like at a very young age who says at a very young age I'm going to start this club you know and then have it lead up to like something so amazing so thank you for that and you're right you know weight is is very big especially when you know society tells us that we have to look this way and put us in this little box like come on really it's just so amazing to, to hear that from you. Thank you so much. And speaking of society, before you became a, a weight discrimination activist, did you struggle with body image or low self-esteem? Low self-esteem as it relates to my body? No, you know, I, I pretty much always enjoy being fat. I have fat relatives and fatness was just a part of our like, our thing, like, being fat was cool. Being fat, I mean, all of, I mean, if you see pictures of my family, everybody is big. And so when it came to fatness, no, I also was, you know, popular and fat. And so I, I really didn't go through that high school struggle of being totally ostracized because I was popular. I think that when it came to like dating, even though I wasn't dateless, I recognized like how different my dating experiences were for my friends. I recognized how friendships were different because of my friends. And so based on like the way that I look. And so I think in those moments, right. Or like during those times, if I, you know, go back into the past and thinking about like how I experienced uh, shame around my body, it was when something happened to me. It was when the guys would give my friends drinks and not me, or I would have to pay to get in a club and they didn't, or it would be, I met my job and my boss is, is trying to push diet products on me or talk to me about health. And it's time for a promotion and I don't get it. I don't think 
because I'm black sometimes. Sometimes I think, well, it's because I'm fat and black Mm -hmm. and my experiences were different. And so even now there's times where I question my body based on the experiences that I'm experiencing. But when when I'm home and I'm alone with my body, I love it. It's more so about the treatment that throws me off. Got it. So more so about the treatment that you receive from other people. Yeah. Like I've experienced like police harassment before. And I'm not saying that my thoughts go to I want to be white. But for a second, I don't want to be in that body. Like my body, the body that they see it's so, so much of a threat that I wish that I wasn't in it in this moment. Mm -hmm. And those are times because of the threat that my body is facing in that moment, I I wish it wasn't marginalized. Got it. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I have a black body and I have some weight to me. So when people are looking at me as an object, I'm not even a human being, you know, people are looking at me as being this object, then you want to, you don't want to be that, you know, you like, can I just be human? Like, can you look past what you see in front of me? Just like an object, right? When you look at an object, you see what's on the surface of that object, but I'm much more than that. You know, Hey, I'm human. I'm me. You know, I'm a pound cake for God's sake. Come on now. You don't see all of this. You know, I get it. You know, I get it 100%. And it's really sad that our society has failed us in that way. So. When we think about it, you know, I I mean, I don't think that our society will ever move away from being discriminative to individuals who are plus size women or men. We have worked really hard to advocate and advocation has been, you know, we've been doing this since the early 1960s. Right. So when does it stop? So I want you to speak a little bit towards body positive movement. And what that means for you. You know, I struggle with this, this conversation a lot about body positivity. When I first entered this work, like one of the first words I saw was body positivity. And I was like, okay, you know, this word, okay, I'm, you know, I'll rock with the word. But my understanding of body positivity always, always was about fat people. And I just start liking things about body positivity, right? So like in its core, I think body positivity is beautiful. Naming that all bodies are beautiful, all bodies are valuable. Mm -hmm. But I think what the body positivity does is add to the dishonesty and the harm of of marginalized bodies by silencing the real truth. Because we cannot all bodies matter, right? Like we know that a white woman will never be Breonna Taylor. And so, you know, all bodies are beautiful, body positivity, but like, do Black people get to live in their bodies positively? No, you're right. Like, there's just so many things that are weaponized against our bodies. As a fat person, am I experiencing, right, like medical harm because of my body? Am I not given access to public goods that is what body positivity does not do it does not address body hierarchy it does not address systematic issues that directly impact people who live in marginalized bodies and so i used to consider myself a body positivity advocate 
But now I just say that I'm a fat activist and I know that that does not include all marginalized people, but a lot of my work as a weight discrimination advocate just really does include other people. But I don't think that I should, you know, really be the spokesperson of other people's struggles either. Um, So yeah, I think that body positivity has some beautiful things, but I'm mostly a, a fat activist who who works on weight discrimination issues. That's deep. And I hope for all of my listeners out there, you hear I'm a pound cake say this, guys. You're you're not hearing this from me. You're hearing this from someone who lives and breathes this. And so I want to take this and say, you're absolutely right. You know, you're absolutely right. How do we live comfortably in our bodies? But I'm not talking about just, you know, African-American women. I'm not talking about, you know, Hispanic women. I'm saying like all women, how do we live comfortably in our body when someone is looking at us for being overweight, right? And so when you think of fat phobia, it's almost like it's a contagious disease, you know, when you think of fat phobia. And so when you think of that in, you know, the healthcare arena, in the food access arena, what does that look like to you? And how has that, in fact, affected your life? When you talk about the food and healthcare, I think it's interesting, right? Like my whole entire life, I did not have access to healthcare. There was times when I did, and there was times that I didn't. And even with having access to healthcare, my mom did not always take me to the doctor for things, right? Like there's a lot that plays a role into getting access to healthcare because it also means that people have to have the time off to take their children to the doctor. I remember being a little girl at one point going to the doctor and I had hyperpigmentation on my skin. And the lady told my mom that that was a sign of diabetes. Okay. Here it is over 10 years later, I don't have diabetes, but I remember bawling and crying. I don't want diabetes. You know, I grew up seeing soul food mm-hmm. where Big Mama had to get her leg amputated. Like, I don't know anybody in my family who has diabetes, but I know what this show says about diabetes as a little girl. Like, whenever I reflect on that situation, it made me think, it makes me think about how much of the medical system is problematic to family dynamic, right? Like my mom probably felt like she as a fat black woman was to blame if I was to have diabetes, right? And so there's this type of scolding that used to happen in my pediatrician's office towards my mother, right? Like that level of fat phobia and anti-blackness was really showing up. Black moms already, you know, if if something happened to their kids that are worse. I'm saying all that to say that the relationship that you have with your physician, even as a little child, kind of impacts your relationship when you grow up. Because I never stopped thinking about, wow, this doctor is going to assume these things about me as a fat person, right? I've experienced this level of violence from my physician since I was a little, little girl. And just to transition into like food access, a lot of times they will always say, well, you need to eat that and she needs to be eating more veggies and, you know, 
you have to stop her from drinking that apple juice. And I used to want to eat cereal every single day. I used to have this addiction to cereal. I, I, I used to love it. My mama could cook five course meals and I wanted to eat cereal every single day. But no one really questioned whether or not we had access to food. What they were trying to tell us is to make a different decision. But there's times in my life that I've experienced food insecurity. My, my mama or daddy lost their job. There was truly times in my life where my parents did not work or have much money or the car broke down, right? And they got to put $800 towards something to get us to school. And so that means that we are, we're going to experience some type of food insecurity. And so I do a lot around like food justice. I'm also just getting into it. I'm a baby in the game, but it's more so coming from Fannie Lou Hamer's message. All fat people are not well fed. There are times when we talk about fat people and gluttonous because that's racism. When we think about uh, weight discrimination literally uh, was only created to make whiteness a class. Fear in the Black Body is a, a beautiful book to read. It can teach you all about how the history of fat phobia came to play. That we don't think about like fat people or just people in general not having access to food. We just associate bigness with eating too much. And so uh, that's a little bit of the work that I, uh, you know, recently in the past few months just gotten into. We've done so many food giveaways, but, you know, the, the point is to have food stability, something that I didn't always have when I was a child. And I think it's important that we get there. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I appreciate you touching on food access and healthcare because we don't think that. And we do associate plus size individuals with overeating and thinking that, hey, this is all that they do. This is why they are big, right? But we don't look into, maybe it's um, genetics, right? Maybe they have a medical condition, thyroid issue, and the lack of education also on top of the stigma behind the big black body or the big white body, or the big Asian body, you know, whatever your ethnicity or race is. So education is key. And you said even your pediatrician and having a struggle with a pediatrician, they are professionals. They're supposed to educate, right? They're supposed to be asking all of these intuitive questions to make sure you are at your healthiest, despite the fact of what they're looking at on the outside and again, associating your body with being just an object. So if that pediatrician would have took the time to say, well, do you have access to food? Do you want to talk to a nutritionist? Do you, do you, do you, do you, and get down to the, the meat of the quote unquote problem because they see it as a problem and they want to tell you, oh, you're overweight. Oh, you need to do better. Oh, you need to eat healthy. Okay, well, what does that mean? And how can I do that with the resources that I have? Because you don't know that I have nothing in my refrigerator back home. You don't know that my dad just lost his job. You don't know that my mom just lost hers. So how do you sit down and have those innovative, creative, deep conversations with people about having access to food, food insecurities, and making sure they can be 
the most healthiest person that they can be, right? When you think about it, everything that you said, I was getting a, like a red flash of mental health, mental health, mental health, and how hearing this throughout your life, those voices, those sayings, those snares, and how does that impact your mental health? And how do you look at yourself and how do you judge yourself when you have people reminding you every single freaking day that you're not enough? You know, you need to lose weight. And our society is the worst because these advertisements that they're running, you know, I literally sat down one day and I saw literally maybe like 55 cosmetic advertisements, 55. And I'm an adult, right? We we are adults, right? And just imagine what message that sends to a little girl or a little boy. It, it, it wears on you. And so I know that you said earlier that you never had any issues with yourself. It was the way that people treated you. So now in your adulthood, do you feel pressure? Is it different? Do you have a different perspective on that? So I think plus size modeling did that, right? Like I, I try to do it for a second. Well, while people may think of me as a model, I'm not. Um, but you have beautiful pictures. Like when I saw you, I was like, oh my gosh, she's good. And I, I mean, I really thought that I thought you were. So thanks for clarifying that. That's so funny. Maybe I should stop shaming it. Uh, or denying it but a quick little story my father was a photographer and so I grew up in front of a camera very young there's pictures of me like six months modeling my dad did that and so I think I just grew up and knew how to do it I don't know but I was talking about like plus size modeling I realized like my body is extremely different than what brands want to see and that's very real like you could be an influencer, but can you model for this brand? Is your stomach flat enough? Mm-hmm. And when I started getting more into the plus size community, and that's interesting when people say plus size community. I'm like, my mama is my plus size community. My auntie is my plus size community, but I, I get what people are saying. I started to question my body, like, can I do this as a size 20, an apple shape, a large stomach? Or do people need me to lose weight in order to be a plus size model? There was a time that I was like, uh, 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 so I got out of space. I was like, I'm not about to, like, this is the first time I've really started questioning my body in this way. And I was like, ooh, I don't like this place. I don't want to be here. Personally, you know, there's my weight isn't my insecurity or thing that I like. It's like my feet. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I really can't stand to look at these toes. But I still wear sandals every day. Um, you know, there's things about myself that I'm like, ooh, maybe I want to fix that. Like I have a chip tooth, right? I smile all the time and people see me smile all day. But the thing that I don't talk about is I actually want to fix my chip tooth. And so mostly around being fat, every time someone asks me this question, it's like, I wish I could give that thing. But as much as people have been negative about my body, you know, I have a fat family who is really happy at being fat. You know, I grew up with my best friends were fat. My friends now are fat. 
And so I really grew up with a very fat life. As much as the world said I was ugly, a worthless, there was these people who lived these beautiful lives as fat Black people who also, I enjoyed what was going on over there. People were happy. Yes, you know? definitely. And seeing that and knowing that. Yeah. And that means a lot. I think you have touched on something, you know, so deep and amazing that although society was saying you're ugly, you're fat, the people that you loved, the people that saw you every day was saying, no, you're not. You're beautiful. And and love yourself. Self-acceptance, right? Self-love is basically the two phrases that I heard come out of that statement is love yourself, be okay with who you are, embrace your inner beauty because society is only looking at your outer beauty. Live your life, love yourself. And no matter what someone else tells you, know that you are enough. So Guys, you have heard it directly from I'm a Pound Cake. I want to give her the opportunity to share any positive advice for listeners who struggle with body image. One of the things I will always say, if you have people around you that's making you feel bad about your body, whether it's indirectly or directly, unintentional, intentional, however you want to cut it, you have to divest from that space until you are well or or you just don't go back at all. I even say this about social media. We follow people who make us feel bad. I have a very curated social media. I don't follow things that make me feel bad about my body. I, I will unfollow them. I think that's really important. And the other thing I would say is start telling yourself the things that you wish that people would say to you. If you want to hear that I'm beautiful and no one is saying I'm beautiful, say that thing, right? And like, it does not mean if you are a fat person or a thin person, right? Like, I'm not going to force you to fall in love with your body. But what I will say is I've seen this a thousand times. I mean, I'm not no expert, but I don't think that people can change things that they don't really love, right? And like, If you want to change anything of your body, like I told you about my feet, my feet are the thing that I see as beautiful, but it ain't going to stop me from wearing those sandals. You know, my tooth is chipped, right? And like, it's been chipped since I've been in middle school, high school sometime, and it hasn't stopped me from smiling. What I'm saying is that you do not have to struggle in this body, in your body or whatever flaw, whatever it may be, you can still embrace it and also still want to change a thing because trust me, you're probably going to catch me with some braces. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, you have heard it from I'm a pound cake. Again, I want to give her a standing ovation applause for being on Elevated Voices podcast. Guys, if you don't know about her, if you're unsure about her, I want you to go to her social media sites. She is on all social media at I'm a Pound Cake. Check her out, or you can head over to her website, www.imapoundcake.com to get more details about her and her boisterous, bold, soulful, colorful, creative self. Thank you so much, I'm a Pound Cake. 
Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices Podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.